What's plant-based, gluten-free, and of South African origin? Turns out, Chakalaka is just that. But what is this product? Chakalaka brand's founder, Lieto Tlo, will explain the South African cuisine's history, his pivot from the finance world to the food industry, and how its flavors could be perfect for the current American palate on this episode of the Food Institute podcast, coming at you right now. All right, so let's start off with a quick reminder to visit foodinstitute.com slash newsletters. And there you can sign up for the Plant-Based Insider, the Food Institute's weekly plant-based food industry newsletter. If you subscribe, you'll see weekly features on plant-based trends, major product deployments, financial news, and analysis of the latest retail sales figures for the category. So you can follow the link in the description of this episode to sign up today. So now that we have that out of the way, I do want to welcome Lieto to the show. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your career history, and how you ended up forming Chocolaka Brands in the first place. Sure, sure. So I had a long career in the banking industry, a 27-year career, actually, uh, in, the banking, in the banking industry, and really dealing with uh, intangible concepts and items, as, as you might expect, in banking but then you know, transitioned into Chakalaka Brands, which is actually manufacturing uh, a tangible item and a tangible product. Uh, so it all started in 2019 when I retired from the in- banking industry. And then I actually uh, was able to take the time and think about it and revisit something I put back on the back burner in 2017. And that is chakalaka, which is a South African dish. And in 2017, my wife and I went to South Africa, had chakalaka, thought it was great, brought it back to the States. And then after I retired, I was able to go back, form the company Chakalaka Brands and develop the product and put it out there for sale. So that's kind of my transition was my introduction in 2017 uh, to Chakalaka, and then me going back to it and revisiting it in 2020 and forming the company. And we'll dive into exactly what the product is soon. But one of my favorite things to talk to about, you know, food company founders, especially when they come from different industries, is whether or not, you know, the transition was difficult. Were you able to bring any of that acumen with you? So what could you tell us about that transition into the food industry? Did you find it hard to adapt to it? Did you find that you had some skill sets from your prior career that kind of lined up and helped you out there? How did that dynamic work out? Uh, Yes, uh, that's a really good question. Some of it I was able to, some of my skills and experience actually translated to some of the areas in the new company, Chocolaga Brands. And as I'm talking about this, I'm dividing it into, you know, administrative uh, aspects of the company, marketing and operations. And some of my skill set from banking actually translated well into the administrative aspects, and I'm including the financial aspects as well. Uh, that led to a really good comfort level right out of the gate in that area. But I also found challenges in for myself in marketing as well as operations because I was completely new to that and it's a brand new industry. And so I found myself actually really running to catch up. And it was a process of basically, as I've described to other people, 
it's really a race of not beginning with not knowing what you don't know, for example, then racing to know what you don't know, and then really figuring out, okay, let's race to, let's, let's continue working on the things that I, I do well, and then really start shoring up and improving on the things that I don't know or don't do well. And, you know, throughout those stages, you found challenges and hurdles, especially in those areas that I noted before, like marketing and operations that you don't know too much about, but you have to play a catch-up game in studying, preparing, asking questions, asking for help, for example, of, of others. And so that was kind of the environment that I found myself in as I started Chocolaca Brands. Yeah. And like I said, I love exploring that, you know, the food industry is obviously a thing that affects everyone. Everyone needs to eat. And because of that, you get such a diverse, you know, group of backgrounds, careers, et cetera, that kind of go into making the overall food industry. So it's always exciting and kind of interesting to take a look at exactly how people enter the industry. But I do think now we could turn our eyes on the product itself. So tell us about Chocolaca. Like I said, I think it's really fun to say. But beyond that, what else can we talk about? What are the flavors? Where does it come from? I know you said from South Africa, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about the background of this food. Yeah, exactly. We can start exactly with the word Chocolaca, which is indeed great, fun to say. Uh, but it is actually a Zulu word uh, for altogether in South Africa. And it's really a dish that started in the 50s and 60s in the townships of South Africa and miners used to take baked beans, tins of beans, vegetables, whatever that they had, spices, and well, put it all together, chakalaka. And uh, that's what they would have for uh, dinners, snacks, etc. Well, it's grown into this ubiquitous dish in South Africa, and you'll find it in on barbecues, if you if you go to a barbecue or a braai in South Africa, it's chances are you're going to see chakalaka sitting there as a side dish. Uh, you, when you go to uh, any other places where people gather, it's likely you'll see chakalaka there as people gather and they have this meal. So when I brought it back to the states, you're also seeing it. Uh, our customers are seeing it, are using it when they're bringing people together in, uh, in the setting of a barbecue and, and other environments. And really, that's, it's, it's bringing people together. Now this dish, when people taste it in that setting and in other settings, it's a great dish, as you were saying, because it is beans, vegetables, and spices. And one of the things that's, that's really great about our product is that when you taste it, you're gonna upfront, you're gonna get the sweetness of barbecued baked beans. But then also in that very same bite, you're gonna get the spices coming through, such as curry, paprika, other spices. And so you're really gonna get in, in just one bite, the sweetness and the savory all right there. And that's what really people enjoy about our about our product. Now, when they're tasting it, that's great. But then they also learn about the history and the origins, and that's even better. And it really creates an experience for everyone. 
and I got an opportunity to try this at the Summer Fancy Food Show in 2023 here. It's hard to explain. You know, one of the big limitations of the podcast is you can't see it, you can't actually taste it, but I think you did a good job explaining it. But it is very unique how it has this kind of, you know, flavor change as you're eating it. You know, like you said, it's got that sweetness and the spice comes out towards the end. You know, when you saw this product originally, you know, what made you think it was going to appeal to consumers in the modern day? At least the U.S. market, I guess, is probably a better way to put that, right? But, you know, what made you think it would translate in this market? Yeah, you know, um, when I first tasted it, I really, you know, my wife and I really enjoyed it. But we really didn't know if anybody else would enjoy it. When we brought the recipe back and started making it for friends and family, we saw how everyone really enjoyed it. And even making it for other people that, you know, outside of our friends, friend group and circle and others really told us, Hey, you know what? This is really good. Maybe you should look into that. That was the, that was one part of the encouragement for starting Chakalaka. But I really had three different reasons for doing this. The second piece was Chakalaka is also part of my heritage. You know, Lieto, uh, Tlo, my last name means elephant. And my family's from Zimbabwe, so last name means elephant, first name means uh, journey. So it's journey of the elephant. And, you know, I'm a first generation kid. So when you're growing up in the U.S., yes, you know about your parents' culture, but you really have an, a lived American experience. And so this was, Chakalaka would give me uh, another opportunity to form a stronger bond with my family as well. And it's been really great to have the family participating, particularly like my, my family, my father and my mother are still uh, around and they're still, uh, they're participating actively. And it's been really a great experience. So that's kind of reason number two. The other piece to this is giving back. And I thought that, okay, if I start a company and we're able to make a little bit of money, then portions of that would go back to the things that are important to us, which is one, education programs in South Africa. Uh, my, my father, especially my parents, really are uh, rooted in, in education, they're educators, et cetera. And then also two, uh, conservation efforts, animal conservation. As a nod to where we found and discovered uh, Chakalaka for ourselves as well. And I love that, you know, food obviously brings people together. I love to see stories where, you know, it's able to connect people to their family, especially in situations where, you know, dynamics have maybe changed a little bit. So I do love that. And just taking a look, you know, the idea all together, right? Something I noticed when I was doing my research for this episode, there were so many clean attributes, you know, we'll put clean in quotes there, but you know, it's plant-based, gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, vegan. To me, anybody could eat this product, right? So I'm wondering when you decided to do this, was this a conscious choice? Is just like a happy accident? You know, what is that dynamic like for your company? Yeah, it was a, a little bit of both. You're taking me back to product development. Um, we, we developed this product, as I, as I mentioned before, we, we formed the company in 2020, just before the pandemic, but we, we did a lot of product development during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, as we were developing the process for this and, and how it would present, we discovered, you know, by happy accident, a lot of these ingredients are clean and, and you know, they are gluten-free. 
you know, nut-free, dairy-free, et cetera. And so when we saw that a lot of the ingredients are uh, have these attributes, we wanted to make sure that the rest of these ingredients do have those attributes as much as possible. And so it, it started out as a happy accident. Um, and, and maybe a lot of uh, traditional or heritage dishes happen to have a lot of these attributes, uh, chakalaka being one of them. But then, you know, as we're developing this product to make it convenient and uh, easy to make, uh, we wanted to make sure that the ingredients that we're making as a fun- for the final product also uh, adhere to those attributes as well. So a bit of happy, a- <laughs> happy accident. But then as you realize that, hey, this is a great happy accident, as you're, as you're developing, we wanted to stay true to that uh, throughout the process. And I guess we could kind of take this question from another angle. Have you seen interest from the plant-based space? Do you market to that demographic? Like what kind of customer are you searching for? Does that go into it or is it more all-encompassing, just trying to hit the you know general consumer in the U.S.? Yeah. So, I mean, our marketing strategy and, you know, our vision is holistic. So there isn't a a specific um, group that we're targeting, but we do know that this is vegetarian, this is vegan. And so to those groups, we highlight some of the aspects that would appeal to them uh, of Chakalaka. And then when we're talking to about the gluten-free community, we're also highlighting those aspects the uh, that this would be good in their diet and it's a nice complement to any meal so yes and, and what we're all, we're also seeing is that we uh are seeing sales in that area that are picking it it's picking up interest in those particular uh demographics in the vegetarian community the vegan community and the gluten-free community So I think we could talk about your product now a little bit more specifically. And I'm wondering, you know, overall, how many items do you have in your product line? We have uh, currently we have uh, three products with uh, different uh, variations on flavor. And so we have no Matata, original and Matata. Matata is Sutu for problems or worries. So in, in, in Southern Africa, it's no matata. I think if you watch like the Lion King, it'll be Hakuna Matata, which is kind of a blend of Swahili or what have, what have you. But if you hear no matata in Southern Africa, uh, that's 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 Sutu Tsatswana for uh, no problems, and that's our mild version. Original uh, is medium, and then matata worries or problems. It is uh, that's the spicier version. Now, I, I do have to say that all three of these, um, because they were developed in, we developed them in the United States, some of the aspects of chakalaka, such as that sweet, uh, the sweetness of uh, barbecued baked beans is geared towards the American public. So is the spice level. So you're going to see it when you taste the spicy version, for example, it's going to be more flavorful than hot. So we're not trying to wreck your day but we're just trying to uh, give you a sense and a glimpse into the spices and the culture of South Africa. And I love that. Worries or no worries. That's a great, (laughs) Um, I'm wondering too, where's your production facility located? Sure. Uh, It is in Kentucky 
actually. And then uh, we warehouse in, in Cincinnati. And those are intentional locations uh, simply because it, the shipping and logistics uh, throughout the country make it, uh, it's an easier location to, to get to all different parts of the country from, from basically the Midwest. And where can consumers really find your product? What kind of retail partnerships do you have? Is it DTC only? You know, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's primarily DTC uh, for now. So Amazon, Walmart.com, uh, our web, our website, uh, chakalakabrands.com. But then also we are expanding our wholesale network in the second half of this year. And so we are starting to appear in grocery stores, particularly the Northeast in the New York area. And then we're branching out uh, fairly quickly. Awesome. Very happy to hear and, that, especially as yep, a guy that's and, in that New York area. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yes. Yeah, so oh, I was about to say you can you can uh, go to our website and look at uh, the locations that we're in. Well. I do want to take a look too, just some of the ingredients. You know, in the last couple of years, all we've seen with you know, first it was the pandemic, and then there was the supply chain crunch, and then there was inflation. We're seeing climate change impacting, you know, inputs across the globe. I'm wondering, is Chocolaca Brands contending with this? How are you kind of mitigating those kinds of risks and issues? What is it like on that side? Yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting couple of years, actually, uh, just from a supply chain aspect. I think that um, for the most part, we've been able to secure a lot of our ingredients from, a, from that standpoint. Um, the, the one worry uh, is beans, for example. Um, and, and that was early on, particularly at the tail end of the pandemic, there were issues about uh, the supply chain of uh, you know, the beans, but then some of that had to do with the crop uh, and, and how much yield is coming out of different parts of the world, but then also uh, the transportation issues uh, that were arising. So the, that was a little bit of a concern, but I think now it's less so. And so I think we're, we're pretty good on that standpoint from a supply chain standpoint. I'm very happy to hear that. So I think we're coming to the end of the conversation here. I just want to double check. You know, you did mention your website, chocolacabrands.com a couple of times. We'll definitely keep uh, a link in the description of this episode for anyone that wants to learn more. But I'm wondering, is there anywhere else people could go if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Yeah, you can actually, um, if you have other questions, you can email us at info, uh, excuse me, at info at chocolacabrands.com. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to answer any question that you may have concerning Chakalaka. And uh, if you that you don't get on the website as well. Perfect. And like I said, just to close it out here, I really enjoyed this product. You know, it was one of those things I got to try at Summer Fancy Food and immediately I was like, we need to talk. So I want to thank you for your time <laughs> today. And like I said to the audience, make sure you take a look in the description of this episode to learn a little bit more about Chakalaka Brands. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. And that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. As always, thanks for listening in. Make sure you take a look in the description of this episode for some relevant links for all the stuff we talked about today. And until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off.